Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. Uh, so today, we're going to be talking about budget builds. Uh, we're going to be mostly focusing on commanders released in the last nine months or so since our last budget episode, uh, but there's been uh, a handful of commanders that are pretty easy to build on a budget. Um, so today, we're mostly going to be focusing on decks that are in sort of the the 100 to 170-ish uh, range for the non-land cards. Um, but a lot of these you can build even significantly cheaper than that if you're willing to cut a few corners. Um, but before we jump into the decks, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad-free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. Before we talk about the individual deck lists, uh, I just want to say uh, something that I've said in previous budget episodes before, which is that um, I think you can sort of tell pretty easily like which type of decks are able to be built cheaply. Like a lot of the decks we're going to be talking about today are ones that strongly subsidize a type of card that most decks aren't interested in or that like kind of sucks on its own. Um, so that's kind of what you want to be on the lookout when if you're interested in building a, a deck like this. One thing to note about these decks is that because they are mostly avoiding staples and things like that, um, they there's not going to be a lot of transferability in terms of the cards you acquire for these decks into other lists. Um, a lot of them are cheap because they run weird cards that no other deck is trying to run. So you're not going to be able to fold over a lot of these cards into another build. So just a disclaimer there, but I think we can go ahead and jump into our first deck today. Um, so we're going to be talking about Braids Arisen Nightmare. So the non-land cards in this deck total about uh, $140. So relatively cheap for what you're getting. Um, and it's a pretty sweet little list. I mean, I mean those of you who are familiar with Braids kind of know the deal. Um, you're playing a lot of sack fodder, typically sack fodder that like itself draws a card when it comes in. So things like, you know, Golden Egg, Icker Wellspring, Guild Globe, just crappy little cheap permanents that draw a card and then just sit on the battlefield. And then Braids can come along, sacrifice it, probably draw you some more cards and uh, just sort of keep refilling your hand, uh, draining your opponents. And uh, the, the gameplay style is like slow, grindy, lots of value. Um, if you focus a little bit more on like interaction and spot removal, like spells that like 1v1 trades or like one for one trades, like, you know, Doomblade, Infernal Grasp, even things like Thought Caesar Duress, like because you're drawing so many cards with like your commander and the rest of the cards in the deck, um, you can actually be a little bit more aggressive on things that are like technically card disadvantage in commander because, you know, you're going to have your hand's going to be overflowing with cards. Uh, but I think this is a, a really interesting build. Um, and because it's running so many of these like crappy little cantrip permanents, um, there's it's just not very expensive to pick up copies of like, you know, Chromatic Star, Alchemist's Vial, these like limited fodder commons type of thing. Yeah. Your despondencies. <laughs> your yeah, you're like uh actually my favorite part of this deck, I don't know if you were wanted to get into that, was you can play all of the um kind of deal with the devil type cards that uh but usually they're an enchantment. It, sometimes they make you literally lose the game. Sometimes they just are very bad for you. So take like a treacherous blessing from uh, Theros uh, Reborn, right? That was what that set was. Um, Theros 2.0. Um, oh yeah, Theros Beyond Death. Yeah, Theros Beyond Death. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, something about not dying again. Um, so when it enters the battlefield, it's an enchantment. It costs two and a black. 
when it enters the battlefield, you draw three cards, but whenever you cast a spell, you lose one life. So normally that's pretty bad, right? It has another line of text where if you can target it, it dies. So that's fun, but you can also just like end of your turn, cast Treacherous Blessing, draw three cards, Braids Trigger, Sack Treacherous Blessing. Um, if they don't want to sack their like doubling season or whatever, like you draw a bunch more cards. So stuff like that is like really crazy powerful in this list. And that um, kind of alone makes it like really appealing. Uh, it's pretty rare, especially like this list is running a lot of enchantments. Like they either come back or they get you a ton of value. Um, they're cheap, like Nick was saying. They're things that most people don't really either like don't really want to play or don't really have the ability to play in a lot of other lists or they just like really, really show off here. So like, um, let's see, like one of the other ones, Demonic Lore, which is from Commander Legends. It's another enchantment that when it enters the battlefield, you draw three cards, but then at the, end, uh, the beginning of your end step, you lose two life for each card in your hand. Um, so I guess you do end up taking the, the damage the one time, but you drew a bunch of cards, <laughs> you know, just a million cards in hand. So that's pretty fun. That's, that's something that I really enjoy. And of course you got like your Goonies and all those fun guys in here too. Yeah. And you've got a couple of cards to like sort of get you additional value as you're sacrificing things, especially creatures, um, mm-hmm. things like midnight reaper, uh, grim horror specs, um, dark prophecy. So even additional ways to draw even more cards on top of it. I think like one of the challenges with this deck is, uh, winning the game it's really good at keeping a full <laughs> hand and uh annoying your opponents um and and to a degree controlling the board um but it is sort of mm, uh, i mean i suppose like well i think it's a little bit lacking in win conditions and that's something that you got to work on when you're when you're building this list mm-hmm. yeah and, th- and that could be pretty easy to do like there it could be anything from like uh like flavor to taste kind of thing if you really want like an exsanguinate or you could just throw in some like like token producers or something you could throw in a little bit more aristocracy stuff um Mm -hmm. kind of if you are building this deck on a budget it's kind of going to be whatever you have (laughs) you know there's a lot of things that you can make work in mono black if you have your engine going so braids is the engine and then you slot in some more aristocrat stuff or you just slot in some like zombie token production and like etc etc and you'll you'll win you'll get there it's fine yeah uh so one last thing i want to talk about for this deck is sort of like where you go from here if you do want to add a little bit of money to the deck um so there are some things that i had to issue um so like there's no grave pact in this list uh but that of course would like work really well with the theme um some of the like more expensive sack fodder type cards like blood Gast or bitter blossom are also missing from this list so if you already have those cards or you're willing to spend a little bit more those i think would be some easier directions to to take the build in um is there anything else that you think you would toss in here if you were adding some money to the deck um, not off the top of my head. I think like you said, like wind conditions um, or like maybe more staxy pieces that are getting a little bit more expensive. But other than that, um, like as long as you get this core build for the deck together, you can kind of just season to taste what you would like to do. And I think that's another reason that Braids is really cool. Like Braids 2.0 is because you can build it so modularly. Like there's not like one specific build that's like, the one you know like the the coolest one the best one for your playgroup or whatever like you can kind of change it around like maybe your playgroup ends up playing more artifacts and you want to like sack other permanents to draw more cards you can cut some of the artifacts put in some like other spell types and keep going from there like vice versa maybe you want to crank up the amount of artifacts and make it like a black like artifact sacrifice deck like there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do with this deck and i think that makes it really cool Mm-hmm. especially on a budget yes uh so we have a list posted in the episode description if you want to check that out 
Uh, but I think for now we can move on to the next commander. Um, so what is the, the next deck we're going to be talking about? So yes, this next one is another black deck. Um, and also another another fun recent one. This is Gix Yogmoth Praetor. Um, so Gix Yogmoth Praetor, just to uh, remind everybody, is a 3-3 Phyrexian Praetor uh, for 3 mana, 1 black black. He says whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may pay one life. If they do, draw a card and then has an activated ability for black, 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 so seven mana. Discard X cards, exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. You may play cards and cast spells from among, uh, sorry, you may play lands and cast spells from among the cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. Um, so the he was given the card he deserved finally. <laughs> um, but yeah, this deck is, uh, as you can imagine, pretty cheap to make it's a mono black um edric for the most part and Mm -hmm. uh turns out one and two mana evasive creatures in black are like a dime a dozen (laughs) like literally quite literally you know like there's been so many variants of like one one flyer in black with some other thing or two two flyer in black with lifelink tacked onto it and you know stuff like that is rampant for limited environments and whatnot therefore you can pick up a lot of them for under like 20 bucks you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. you could get most of the stack together for uh very 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 cheap if you were looking to minimize your costs yeah the, the cost for non-land cards in this deck is about 150 dollars as of the time of recording um and yeah, because it is leaning so heavily on just cheap evasive donks, uh, like it's just not very hard to put this together. Um, it also runs a fair bit of spot removal, um, and then a couple cards to sort of like go wide a little bit, um, or make better use of your crappy guys. You can feed them to a skull clamp or something. Um, I, I think that, uh, you're definitely going to have a uh you're definitely going to have like a lot of cards in hand to discard to gix and i think that just using his activated ability is probably going to be your primary win con like the nice oh, thing yeah. about gix as a commander is that because your average card quality is so low you're always going to be able to to use that activation and just pretty much pitch your whole hand and then play off the deck of of somebody who's actually playing, you know, haymakers and and real magic cards. So, yeah, no, it's that that's actually kind of we've talked about this before, but it just it goes like probably worth saying again that activated ability is so so good on gigs. Mm. Like, like it. Y- yes, you can get blown out by it. Like, let's say someone scoops in response to it or something like that. But like, I would pitch seven cards and pay seven mana to destroy a target player i think that's fine <laughs> you know yes like it's a pretty good deal so yeah i didn't mean to interrupt too much no you're good um so i actually don't know if there's a whole lot of room to really uh, improve this deck by adding mana to or adding money to it because there's the core requirement is just you know often a limited fodder common yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm thinking maybe you can uh, toss in like like with um, braids, you could toss in a bitter blossom just to get more bodies out there. Um, but really, I don't know if there's a whole much a whole lot of value you could get yeah. from your additional dollars. There, there's just the generic stuff is the only stuff I can think about. Like, let's say you are playing this deck and you really like you're like i always want to see my whip of erebos or something then mm-hmm. you can or my like, larceny put or in something. some tutors yeah you know that maybe something like that you're like i always want a larceny when i play then you know your tutors are fine to add but it's not like you need them like you said you know mm-hmm. so that's that's probably what i would do you could run pretty much any number of like black staples that are generically good but like it's not necessary here (laughs) you can 
you, your deck's going to be up and running. The engine's going to be purring. You're good. You're good to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the next commander. So this next one is Ramirez de Pietro Vil- Pillager. Um, and it's about 120 bucks for the non-land cards in this deck. Um, so Ramirez de Pietro Pillager is a Demir commander. He is two blue-black for a 4-3 legendary creature human pirate. When he enters the battlefield, you lose two life and create two treasure tokens. And whenever one or more pirates you control deal combat damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's library. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled. Uh, so in in broad strokes, it's kind of similar to what Gix is doing. Um, and it's also running a bunch of mostly evasive donks that very few other decks in the format are interested in running. Um, so the, you know, of the like 30 ish creatures in the deck, you're spending easily less than a dollar per card. A lot of them are just pirates with flying, that kind of thing. Um, and then where you can, you're, you're running things like reconnaissance mission, coastal piracy, Biden of Thassa, kindred discovery. So ways to like, uh, additional ways to get card advantage off of your guys who are turning sideways. Um, it's running some of the cheaper time warp variants, sort of like walk the eons, part the water veil, Karn's temporal sundering, Alrin's epiphany. Most of those are not incredibly expensive, um, but it's a pretty cheap deck if you just want to do something aggressive. Maybe have access to a little bit more of the color pie than just a Gix deck. Um, and uh what are your thoughts on this this build and like the the budget variety of it yeah i love this i've actually thought about making this deck like a few times over the last like i don't know years not not year i guess it's been like six months (laughs) this feels like a year since this guy's come out um just because i really enjoy like utilizing stuff that generally would be considered draft chaff or something like that as uh like my main game plan like uh i loved the fact that in my like malcolm and dargo list i could play like a warkite marauder but like it's actively really good in here like in that deck it makes mana but in this deck like it draws you cards Mm -hmm. so the fact that they keep like juicing the pirates like they kind of need to to make these cards that are basically like awful you know like basically unplayable normally like a cloud pirates which is just a one one flyer for a single blue mana that can't block non-flyers you know like the (laughs) normally unplayable um but in ramirez de pietro you all of a sudden have this like card draw engine so i think that's fun i also like the fact that you have to think about how you're gonna pay for the spells because uh like wink wink nudge nudge pirates make treasure you know so like uh there's cards like burdened aerialist which is a three one human pirate for three two and a blue and when it enters the battlefield you make a treasure token and you can sack a token to give it flying so like stuff like that you're like okay well i just hit somebody with this thing but they're playing a red deck how do i cast it oh well i just kind of have incidentally a bunch of treasure from all of my like goofy little like pirates that i'm playing um Mm -hmm. and other like mana um just lands that make a bunch of different colors you can play your uh exotic orchards and your uh your uh what are they the city of brass variants you could play yeah man if you really wanted yeah exactly and if you really wanted to get like super duper budget basically every manolith ever that's ever existed there's a ton of mana rocks that make like one of any color that are cheap that are plentiful um so you could do a lot with this deck as long as you have that core of like your crappy pirates. Um, and I think it like the reason why I think this is cool and interesting and different than Gix is because like the core gameplay is so different with the cards that you're playing. Like with Gix, yeah, you do end up casting their spells from their hand, like their deck when you pitch to the seven ability and and get a bunch of splashy whatever. But here it's like. I'm playing a crappy like departed deck hand or like Corsair captain, just a a pirate, you know, I'm getting in there. I'm hitting them with ghost of Ramirez de Pietro. I'm stealing their whatever. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. I'm making treasure tokens with his ability or with these other pirates, and like that gameplay is going to be like decent amount different enough that you're going to be pretty excited. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy this guy. I think he's really cool. I've like this episode might convince me to finally build him in paper. <laughs> so if you see me at an event and I have Ramirez to Pietro, you know why. <laughs> uh, well, let's see last thoughts before we move on. I think if you were to add more money to the bet to the deck, um, there are some cards that, uh, are not currently being used. Like you can always opt for some of the more expensive time warp variants. Like, Temporal manipulation is pushing close to $20 these days. And I'm sure even after the upcoming reprint um, in Commander Masters, Capture of Jingzhou is probably going to be a pretty penny. So those are definitely some things to keep in mind. Uh, you can toss in a copy of Gix into the main deck as just another way to draw cards off of your evasive um, pirates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things like, I guess you could throw in like a bolt. Uh, black market connections as like an additional pirate generator yeah yeah uh any other things you think you could add with a little bit more money in the deck um again just kind of staples you know like there's no deck that isn't enhanced by like a ristic study or something like that you know tutors to get your your coastal piracies or whatever you could get some more of the expensive uh evasive enablers like the cover of darkness which i think is running oh yeah that's like 40 bucks these days that's a good yeah addition so stuff like that you could end up running if you wanted to if you build the deck for cheap and then you're like "Hmm, i really actually want to beef this up this is really fun there's some places you could look to like do that but again it's like it's not necessary for this deck to work and i think that's what's really fun about it uh, all right, let's move on to another one. This is a fairly recent deck. Um, so this oh, is going to yeah, be this Azur- guy's so red. <laughs> Sorry yeah. to get you off. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Um, so this is Azuri Stalker of Spheres. Uh, it's about 165 for the non-land cards in the deck. Um, and Azuri Stalker of Spheres is two green blue for a three three legendary creature for Exian Elf Warrior. When he enters the battlefield, you may pay three. If you do, proliferate twice. And whenever you proliferate, draw a card. So uh, the nice thing about this deck is that the majority of proliferators are fairly cheap. It's things like Park Heights Maverick, Thrumming Bird, um, like Voral of the Hulklade, kind of. Uh, guild packed informant <laughs> flux channeler most of these are like commons uncommons or just like very cheap cards and then the the most important things that you're going to be proliferating like the real win conditions of the deck are also fairly cheap um so like magistrate scepter is one of the main win conditions and that's less than a dollar um spike weaver is a very important card in the deck keeps you alive for a long time that's 350 strixhaven stadium has the ability to kill a player when it's got enough counters on it. Uh, that's only a little bit over a dollar. Nissa Vital Force is like really easy to to popper and get this landfall draw card emblem. That's about oh, six dollars. Yeah. So strong. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the the main cards you you really need in order to keep this deck humming, and, and especially like the the card draw engines that work with proliferate really well. So like um, Fathom Mage, you know it's four cost one one when and it has evolve and then whenever a plus one plus one counter is put on it you may draw a card um also benthic biomancer uh blue for a one one it has adapt one for two mana and then whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on it you draw a card and discard a card also generous patron two and a green for a one four when it enters the battlefield support two and then whenever you put one or more counters on a creature you don't control draw a card um so these are just like really important draw engines for the deck. All of them are relatively cheap because there's just not a lot of decks that are highly interested in these cards. Um, and so really like the, the most important cards in the deck are all just not very expensive. Um, so there's a, a couple more costly things that are like kind of tangentially related. Um, Icar Moon Gauntlet is a little bit more expensive that doesn't uh 
it gives your planeswalkers proliferate. I don't think the best version of this deck needs a lot of planeswalkers. I think the most important part of Ikramoon Gauntlet is that it can put uh, when you cast non-creature spells, you can add additional counters to permanence in a way that like isn't proliferating. But that is certainly one of the more expensive cards in the deck at around like thirteen fifty these days. Um, mm. But definitely not essential. Doesn't even really trigger your commander. Um, and I think the the essential cards are all quite cheap for this list. Yeah, I think that's again like I'm gonna get a little tangentially away from commander for one second. Anyone who has played like all will be one limited kind of has realized at this point that like proliferate really isn't worth a card. Um, they just tack it on. They just put it on to whatever card in the set. Um, and it's they're kind of right. Like in in limited at least, proliferate is not worth a card. But Azuri <laughs> says whenever you proliferate, draw a card. All of a sudden, these effects that like are very generic, you know, things that you would generally put into your deck, like a a natural restoration, you know, return a permanent from your grave to your hand, has proliferate attached to it. So this card that normally you're paying two for anyway is paying two and drawing a card. So just like pumps that power level like way up there, right? So I think that's one of the cool things about Azuri is he takes all these these effects that we've gotten over the years, all these cards that in general are are worth it like to play kind of anyway, like a planar wide cell or a plane wide celebration from uh War of the Spark, which is five green green sorcery. You can choose four, you can choose the same mode more than once. So you can make a two two multicolor citizen, you can return a permanent from your grave to hand, you can proliferate or you can gain four. So all of a sudden you pay seven, you proliferate four times, you draw four cards. Like that's actually like a crazy amount of value for seven mana. Um like proliferating four times with that card is kind of whatever normally. It's like usually it's in a super friends deck or something. But like the fact that all of a sudden this is a you, seven you've mana. You've got like four like, more counters on your Magistrate Scepter and you're taking another mm-hmm. turn. And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, your Astral Cornucopia is tapping for like seven now, you know, like whatever it is. Like that's that's awesome. So I think like the fact that they kind of made a legend that turned all of these like effects that are kind of like, I don't know, I'm not going to say marginal because like proliferate scales with how many permanents you have, but like in general you have like what like two targets or something like Mm -hmm. it's not crazy into an effect that really like changes the whole game and like how you're playing the game that's really cool so i think azuri is a really cool commander i think that this deck will be really fun if you do put it together and i I encourage people to do that like it is blue green and you're going to get some blue green value it's it's going to feel like blue green value but it's going to be doing it in a way that um you haven't really done before which is kind of i've kind of like fallen in love with blue green again because of that like they've been printing more of these commanders that like yeah you draw a bunch of cards but you do it kind of weird (laughs) 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 which has been actually like pretty fun so props to the design team for figuring out how to convince me that drawing cards in blue green is fun again after all these years (laughs) um so speaking of drawing cards in blue green, well, actually, do you want to do you want to say anything else before we move on to the, the next commander? Uh, not too much. I think that if you're adding money to this list, I'd say like some more staples could help. There's like some nice interaction. Like uh, this list doesn't have like a swan song in it or something. Um, extra mm. turn effects tend to work pretty well with. I mean, with almost any strategy, but. When you're doing a lot of like slow building of value as in a proliferate list, then like extra turn effects get a little bit more utility than normal. Um, so that's one another way to add money to the deck. Um, you can also run creature tutors to help you find your like most important proliferators or like card advantage engines. So that's another consideration. Um, but I think this deck is is perfectly fun and playable even at a relatively low uh, dollar value. Yeah, super cool, super fun. And uh, speaking of blue-green value, we have another deck to uh, talk to you all about. And it is blue-green, it draws a bunch of cards, and it's going to play way different than this one. Uh, Yeah, so this is Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief. Uh, 
For those who aren't familiar with her, she's green-blue for a 2-1 legendary creature fairy rogue with flying, and whenever a player casts a spell that targets only a single creature other than Ivy, you may copy that spell. The copy targets Ivy. And a copy of an aura spell becomes a token, a copy of a mutate creature also becomes a token. And so this this build that we're sharing today is $110 for the non-land cards. Uh, So very cheap, um, only maybe like uh, $2 per non-land card. So not that difficult to put together. Um, this There's a lot of ways to build Ivy. I've seen mutate lists for Ivy. I've seen more spell sitlinger lists. I've seen more enchantress lists. And you can kind of just like go with the cheapest cards from all of those builds and they're all going to work fine. Um, this particular list that we're sharing in the episode description focuses a little bit more on the enchantress aspect, um, just because there's a lot of enchantress creatures. Most of them are fairly cheap. Um, and it's just like an easy way to get a lot of additional value as you're doing your Ivy thing. But this, this deck is just a whole bunch of like auras and instants that target creatures and draw cards so that you can uh, just play like pay one mana to draw two cards a whole bunch of times and kind of just run through your deck from there. Um, there are a lot of cards that work really well with this list. If you have a way to to copy Ivy or like make a copy of Ivy that isn't legendary, then you can really go off and, and draw just tons of cards off of every cantrip. So like Arenicus's Vile Duplication is good here. Uh, Vesuvian Duplomancy is good here. Um, there's also a lot of ways to just like get value, not only as you're like casting enchantresses or casting instant sorceries, but things like uh, Storm Chaser Drake, which is whenever it becomes the target of a spell you control, you draw a card, or Triton Fortune Hunter, whenever you cast a spell that targets it, draw a card. Um, even like Season of Growth, whenever you cast a spell that targets a creature you control, draw a card. Just a whole lot of ways to get additional value on top of like the core gameplay of I'm casting a crappy spell to target my guy uh, and draw a card. And oh, now I'm actually drawing four cards. So the most important cards in the deck are just these crappy spells that can trip and target something. Uh, And the vast majority of them are just like worth nothing commons that you would normally never play in a game of commander. So that's that's part of why the the price tag for this deck is is so cheap but do you have any thoughts on this ivy build or just like how to budget appropriately for this kind of deck yeah so i've been building a lot of these lately so i have like a little bit of just like lessons learned um so when you are playing decks like this where your main game plan is like not necessarily adding to the board Usually what ends up being pretty good for you is uh, like things that like tangentially add to the board. And sometimes those are um, a little bit expensive. So um, I'm trying to think of like the variants of this. So like usually like the um, if you do like Ivy and you're going to lean a little bit more into enchantments, then your enchantresses that draw a bunch of cards are typically like pretty expensive or can be pretty expensive so sometimes like the things that you can play to like beef up like what your strategy is going to be can end up like being a little bit pricier um these days so you're oh it depends if you're going like the more spellsy route then uh your like things that make tokens don't have to be that expensive but sometimes some of the spells that you're trying to cast can like be a little bit more expensive um, and then, of course, staples are more expensive. Like I was looking up like Void Slime the other day, and it's almost like seven bucks, which is kind of crazy, um, oh even after gosh. like multiple reprints and stuff. So there's there's stuff like that that can get a little bit pricey. Uh, again, Mystical Tutors, to find the cards that you want to be like casting with your Ivy. If if you are trying to cast your like um, leaps and your or uh, what's like a I guess Twisted Images and viridescent wisps and you know those kind of thingies are yeah um can be pretty good so it if there's something in particular that you're trying to find um 
that you're not able to find by copying spells with IV. That's something you could put in here. But yeah, the fact that this is kind of like a double Voltron list in essence means that there's not like a lot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're like a lot of the good Voltron that you're going to be playing is these cheap, like one to two mana auras, like your runes of might and Aphidian eyes and whatnot. Right. So I, I feel like unless there's some like big, like a bear umbra or something like you're going to kind of have a hard time actually adding money to this deck. Yeah. Um, that, that definitely makes it a little tricky. Like some of the enchantresses maybe are a little bit more expensive. Like Argothian enchantress is nuts these days. Um, yeah. So that might be something to consider, but you're, you're right. Like, I mean, maybe you could toss in a berserk or something. Um, yeah, but you're right that there's just like not a ton of ways to add value to the deck other than like more staples. Yeah, it's and and you know that's just going to be true of every deck, so it's not a super insightful thing. But th- this deck is like strange in that it's asking you to play like combat research from Dominaria United, you know, your cartouche of knowledge, like etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's going to feel like a lot different than other green blue decks. Like even though you play your commander and you're drawing cards, like you're playing with these like really goofy subset of like limited fodder or as like your fate foretold, you know, from, uh, uh, beyond, uh, the second set in the original Theros trilogy that I cannot remember the name of right now. Um, so just stuff like that, like these commons that are like oh, easily forgettable. Yeah. Born of the gods. Um, that all it does is a two man enchantment when it enters a draw a card and when the creature dies, you draw a card, but, you're getting two of them. So it's two mana draw two cards. So that's <laughs> not something like that's not really a card that you would really think to play in a lot of, I think, or at this point in any other like deck that I can think of right now. But anyway, Ivy, really cool, really modular, um, which is, I think, maybe a, a note that is running through this episode is that these decks are all like oh you can they're very powerful and you don't have to do the same thing every time mm-hmm. um which i guess if you're good we can get on to the next commander too because this guy um i feel like made some waves when he came out and then of course like the the thought there were just the, too many the, other the sets yeah released yeah. <laughs> in the exactly um, yeah, so this is uh, one of the Warhammer 40k commanders. This is Gearson Starn Keeler Morph. Uh, it is one blue red for a 3 2 legendary creature, Tyranid Human, with Ward 2. Uh, and it has three auto stubs. Whenever another source you control deals exactly one damage to a permanent or player, Gearson Starn Keeler Morph deals two damage to that permanent or player. So uh, the joke with this deck is you are just pinging like, your opponents and or their creatures. Uh, and then Gearson Starn is adding a ton of damage to that. So the the type of cards like Nettle Drone, like Thermo Alchemist, uh, that just ping your opponents a little bit. Um, all of those are just like limited fodder, commons and uncommons. None of them are very expensive cards. So like the creature suite of this deck is like $13 for 20 guys. Uh, there's like a little bit of similar stuff going on in like the the spell package um things like blazing volley one mana sorcery deals one damage to each creature your opponent's control normally that's like completely forgettable in commander but because it has uh an extra two damage tacked onto it and it's dealing three to all their stuff well it's going to clear out uh some number of commanders a lot of utility creatures and it's going to burn if each of your opponents for three to the face um so a lot of cards like that that normally you would never think twice about or, or never think about like running in commander uh gain a lot of value because of Gearson's Starn. And that's why this deck is able to be built for relatively cheaply. Um there's also a couple little fun things like if you throw a curiosity or an Ophidian eye on Gearson Starn, then when he deals damage to players, you get to draw cards. 
If you throw a charisma on him, then when he deals damage to creatures, you get to, to gain control of those creatures. Um, so a little bit of fun tech, but for the most part, it's just uh, turning unplayable cards into playable board control. Um, do you have any thoughts about Gearson Starn? No, just that this is uh, very fun. Like, uh, this has kind of been noted by a lot of people, especially when this guy came out. Um, like, the I, first off, like the humor of his special ability is he has two more arms with two more guns is pretty funny to me. But, like, yeah, being able to turn all of these effects that are normally just absolutely atrocious in Commander that like don't do anything like your dire caster your two three for four mana that when it enters it deals one damage to each opponent and one damage to each creature your opponents control is just normally not good enough right it doesn't matter that's a vaishino there hasn't been a vaishino commander it's a rogue in red so that's fun i guess but you're like oh, i wouldn't really normally want to play this um all of a sudden it enters and it deals three to everything you don't control that's actually like a card and it sticks around to like keep brawling you know, so stuff like that, all these like punishing effects, your uh, mana barbs, your burning earths, all of a sudden are dealing three to your opponents. Uh, just absolutely backbreaking, you know, just insane how much damage can happen. So I think the fact that all the cards in this deck are very cheap, the fact that uh, it turns all of these like blazing volleys and uh, end the festivities and like these red limited fodder spells that you cut from your limited decks even into like oh i actively want to play these that's really fun um and this is definitely going to play different like you're going to get your table to fear like your flame fusillades you know you're <laughs> you're, you're gonna <laughs> cast your like scour the sands and people are gonna cringe like oh man <laughs> <laughs> like like no don't do that which is going to be some pretty fun gameplay so um the funniest part about this deck is that the commander himself is probably like the most expensive thing that you have to buy for it um he's sitting at like about 15 bucks right now but if you want to buy him the rest of the deck is absolutely just <laughs> bottom of the barrel just scraping up the filth and putting it on the table you know <laughs> very easy <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a ton of ways to add value to this deck or no, with yeah. like a higher price tag. I think for the most part, it. Uh, I mean, maybe you can toss in like a fiery confluence or something. No, actually, you know, you wouldn't want that because it'll kill Gearson. Yeah. Um, I think it's yeah, I think that's mostly the funniest part. Yeah. <laughs> You do have to be careful, like uh, one, things that deal one damage to everything uh, don't work so well because he's going to turn some of those guns on himself. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you can add staples to the deck, but otherwise it is like hard to improve upon significantly. Mm -hmm. Which I think gets us to our next deck, question mark? Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, so um, I'm going to read this one off. This is uh, Nayali Sun's Vanguard. So Nayali... Uh, you might remember from our recent episode on the All Will Be One Commander decks. Um, so Nayali is a 4-mana, 3-3 three, three human rebel. They cost 2 red-white, so it's a Boros deck. Uh, Nayali says, attacking tokens you control have double strike, and whenever one or more tokens you control attack a player, exile the top card of your library. During any turn you attacked with a token, you may play that card. So, card draw, uh, the fat beats, what more do you want you know and uh turns out tokens are very very plentiful in red and white <laughs> yes uh so this list is running at about 160 dollars for the non-land cards um and part of the reason for that low price tag is because it's just a lot of tokens it's just a ton of tokens <laughs> and it's not that hard to like you know things like servo exhibition are fine here things like you know, dragon fodder or krenko's command are fine here because your tokens are getting a significant boost and they're replacing themselves with cards like really uh it's not a terrible it's not the end of the world if you send a bunch of tokens in to attack and they all die 
uh, because you just drew three cards in the process. As long as you're keeping, as, you, as long as you're continuing to commit tokens to the board, you're probably fine. And like once you have some sort of of anthem effect out, uh, then it just becomes really, really painful your for your opponents to block even one ones once they get like oh, and they're getting plus two plus zero oh from Glory Warfare. Oh, and they have double strike from Naali. Um, it gets <laughs> to the point where like mm, I don't think I can just eat these tokens anymore. So it is a pretty sweet deck. Uh, I think there is, unlike some of the other ones we mentioned today, I think there is a lot of room to add additional value to the deck, though. Um, yeah. Before, uh, before we get into that, though, do you have any thoughts on sort of the, the base build that we're sharing today? Um, Not too much more than like what we, both of us have said, like the fact that uh, any Anthem period is like deadly once Naali is down on the battlefield and once you have like two servos um that's a pretty powerful combination your glory of warfare which is a four man enchantment two red white so on your turn your creatures get plus two plus oh on not your turn your creatures get plus oh plus two well all of a sudden you have two three ones with your two servos and Naali makes them hit for six each so with a card that sticks around and a card that gave you two bodies, you're hitting for 12 damage. <laughs> like that's like a mortal threat that these one, one servos have now become. So that's awesome. Um, it scales very, very quickly and very, very fun. Funly. Is that something I could say, would say. Um, <laughs> so I think that if that's something that you're into, if you like running it sideways, if you like combat, this is definitely a fun deck that you can put together really really easily but yeah adding stuff to it um uh what i don't know what would be your first thing because my stuff again is pretty generic (laughs) so i think there's things like um waves of aggression is getting a more significant price tag these days that would be Um, a good addition um mm -hmm. adeline resplendent cathar her cost has kind of shot up recently because she's seeing standard play and that of course like um just generates a huge amount of tokens for the cost. Um, there are even even something like a um, uh, a chroma's ooh uh, what's it called? Um, the, a chroma's the will. One, yes, a chroma's will. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's getting pretty pricey these days. Um, but it or actually, sorry, no, not a chroma's will. Um, like clever concealment or flawless maneuver. Just those ways to Mm -hmm. protect your board uh, for like little or no mana. I think that is is pretty helpful once you're like committing a ton of cards to the battlefield. So I think that like those are the main ways you can add a little bit more value to the deck. But there's I think like even the base case of this is not incredibly expensive. Yeah. Increasing devotion and conqueror's pledge are like a dollar each and they do a lot of work in this list. Yeah. I I think the other thing you can do is like the, um, the Mondrak glory dominus and the, um, what's the procession? Like anointed procession. Yeah. Anointed procession, stuff like that. Those are very expensive. Um, and they help a lot, but again, it's like, it's one of the reasons I never end up running cards like that because like when your commander is doing something like this, you don't really need like I got four servos instead of two and you're like okay well that is better but I did have to spend four mana before I spent my two mana to start swinging in and by the time I cast cast like my four servos I've already dealt like 24 damage with my my original two you know it's stuff like that so um not necessary but definitely makes the deck better makes it a little bit more um packs a little bit more of a wallop you know so Mm -hmm. that's something you could do to add some value um trying to think of anything else i think other than that it's really um i was going to say the same thing you are with the protection spells those are getting pricey um and maybe is there any i don't really think there's any mana rocks that are expensive in this color identity so yeah 
Not really. That's, you could maybe toss in a coat of arms if, because if you're making tokens, they like likely share creature types with each other. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. On, all in all, like I really like this deck. I think that it um it rules. <laughs> I mean, you can go back and listen to the set review for uh, all will be one commander, and you can hear me basically echo the same sentiment of like, "Wow, <laughs> this is really strong." <laughs> Yeah, that um, was an awesome commander, and I'm glad you can build it for a relatively low price. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Just super, super cool. Um, speaking of a commander you can build at a really low price, um, like every other commander in this episode, this one is actually one that I think has flown by the radar the most for a mm-hmm. lot of people. Um, and this is the Archimandrite. So this is from um, the Brothers War. Um, this was one of the commanders that was in like set boosters and collector boosters only. So the Archimandrite is uh, goofy. It's a 0-5 human advisor for 5 mana, 2 blue, red, white. So a Jeskai commander a, a, a commander at 5 mana uh, that says, At the beginning of your upkeep, you gain X life, where X is the number of cards in your hand, minus 4. Whenever you gain life, each advisor, artificer, and monk you control gains vigilance and gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the amount of life you gained. And then has tap three untapped advisors, artificers, and or monks you control draw a card. So this is a tribal commander uh, for advisors, artificers, and monks. Uh, If you go back and listen to our Legendary Creatures for Brothers War Commander episode, um, I think this was we did in the main set. I can't remember which episode this was in, but... um, we really liked this card. Both me and Nick really liked this card. And um, it is amazing how strong it is. I love the throwback to Ivory Tower on that first ability. Um, just a classic oh, yeah. card from like mm-hmm. the OG days of magic. So one mana that does that exact same thing at the beginning of your upkeep. You gain X life or X is the number of cards in your hand minus four. Um, was very easy to keep seven cards in hand <laughs> back in the day <laughs> when you had all those blue cards running around you know all those mm-hmm. power nine and whatnot so i think this is really cool uh if you know anything about the third path that's kind of why this person is uh with the advisors artificers and monks um but the deck itself to talk about the deck gameplay is wild um do you want to get into the cards you're playing and how they all fit together yeah so you're you're mostly just trying to play evasive creatures within these types um and and if you can sneak in a little bit of life gain on top of that then more's the better um but really what you're trying to do is just like get a whole bunch of guys on the battlefield um drop the archimandrite and then like draw cards until you've gotten like some sort of life gain spell that you can use to win the game with um the it, life gain does tend to come at a really good rate especially in white so it's like the the bonuses you're able to get off of the archimandrite are ridiculous like if you gain if you cast like a solemn offering or something and gain four life like plus four plus oh to all of your dudes is pretty significant um especially if you have like you know, if you started the hand with more than four cards in hand, that's another <laughs> significant bonus there. Uh, if you have a way to give your team double strike, such as with like Chroma's Will, True Conviction, it just it can turn into a bloodbath. It's it's very 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 good. Um, yeah, very strong and very fast. Like it doesn't seem like it because a lot of the creatures that you're going to be playing with are like. Uh, kind of similar to like the pirates like they they're like draft chaff they're cards Mm -hmm. that you pass over in your bulk bins constantly because you're like oh do i really like want to play this venerable monk do i really want to play this like toolcraft exemplar or like tomic distinguished advocate you know like why am i (laughs) why are these here and then all of a sudden you're hitting for like 18 plus damage and you're like oh (laughs) (laughs) like jesus like this is this is crazy um so really cool it's funny that a lot of the best cards in this deck are like the devout monks that like the creatures that etb and gain you like one to four life 
like mm-hmm. really, really crazy because adding to the board, giving vigilance, um, like buffing everybody else that's already there. Um, really cool. Lone Missionary is really good in this list. It's a 2-1 core monk for one and a white. Uh, enters the battlefield, you gain four life. So if you have any board at all with the Archimandrite out and you drop a Lone Missionary, like plus four, plus oh, and vigilance to your whole team is wild. That's crazy. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> they have to block for like two they have mana. To. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's an insane rate. So very, very strong. Uh, very, very cheap. I think like there's you, you could build this deck for like even cheaper than we're playing it like in this episode if you really wanted and it would still just like beat face <laughs> like it would mm-hmm. still like absolutely slap um which is crazy it's really crazy that a deck this strong and a commander this cool kind of ended up sliding under the radar of so many people yeah i think that is sometimes a downside of like the um set booster exclusive commander cards is they're just mm-hmm. not very visible to people um yeah but i want to highlight a couple pieces of tech and then we can move into like how to add money to the deck Oh, um, sure. So because your commander makes use of tapping your guys, um, there are some like nice little ways to untap your guys at a, a pretty good rate. So there's Drum Bellower, um, which is two and a white for a two-one flying spirit. Untap all creatures you control during each other player's untap step. Um, similarly, there's White Plume Adventurer, two and a white for a three-three orc cleric. When it enters the battlefield, take the initiative. And then at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, untap a creature you control. If you complete a dungeon, untap all creatures you control instead. And then finally, intruder alarm, uh, which is creatures don't untap during their controllers untap steps. And whenever a creature enters the battlefield, untap all creatures. So all three of those are really good ways to uh, get additional cards out of your commander. Make sure you're really refilling your hand to, to get that ivory tower bonus on your next turn. Um, and then. Moving on to ways to add money to the deck, there surprisingly were a, a couple monks, advisors, and artificers that were just a bit too expensive to justify <laughs> including in a budget list. Um, so things like Loran of the Third Path, um, the the, rec- the white reclamation sage is like pushing eight or nine dollars right now. Jeez, um, oh, yeah, re- really significant there. Um, Glenn, the Voice of Calm which is the one white blue for one three skulk when it deals combat damage to a player draw cards equal to his power so very strong once you're getting the archimandrite buff but because it's one of the walking dead secret layer cards it's eight dollars um also sarah ascendant uh happens to be a monk also is a six six flying lifelinker for one mana um and then uh, Ledger Shredder is one in a blue for a one three creature bird advisor with flying. And whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, it connives. Uh, so all of those are a little bit outside the range of what I would consider budget cards, but definitely will make the deck stronger and give it a little bit more punch if you've got the the wallet for it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The Ledger Shredder taking everybody by surprise. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Um, um so yeah i mean that's that's i don't really have much more to add do you want to do you want to say anything about this deck or the decks in general or just budget magic right now uh i'll, I'll say that like one last thing about the archer manager right like if you're adding money to the deck you can also uh get some value out of like flawless maneuver or clever concealment because this is a deck that's committing a lot of permanence to the board um but yeah, I guess we can move on to just overall lessons from looking at these lists. Um, not surprisingly, they all run very weird cards. Uh, and I think that that is just yeah. like how <laughs> you're going to be able to make budget work in modern commander. Yeah. Um, so keep an eye out, like as new commanders get spoiled, we're I'm sure going to get a lot of new legendary creatures in March of the Machines. Uh, and a lot of them are going to be running unusual cards. So I think that there's probably going to be more opportunities for for budget builds in the future. Yeah, and I think that's kind of just a lesson because a lot of these cards are pretty recent commanders. Like, mm-hmm. 
if a card isn't a chase rare in a set these days, like it is pretty cheap. Um, just I think the focus being drawn away from like the new thing to the next new thing as quickly as it has been the last like year or two years means that even cards that like are in the top like 20 like most expensive cards in a set like those bottom 10 of those so like if you look at dominaria united or something like there's a decent amount of cards that are expensive but they're all the like chase rares and most of them are variants of like shield red um and you go down just a little bit and you get down to like a full art defiler of vigor it's only five bucks you know like people have passed it by at this point um for whatever the new hotness was and whatever isn't like modern playable or like incredibly popular for like commander just kind of falls by the wayside so i think that's something to look at when we're looking at new sets um if there's something that you like literally give it like three months (laughs) and see what happens and like odds are you're going to be able to pick it up for a lot cheaper than the hype might have made you think like the initial initial spoiling of the card so um it's kind of i'm gonna say something controversial i think it's a pretty good time to be playing commander again you know like (laughs) prices were going up there's a lot of crazy stuff happening and now all of a sudden like because the focus is being thrown so much you can make it like i've been brewing a lot more like in paper than i was for like a long time because i'm just able to like on top of my collection i can spend 20 bucks and i have a new deck you know like so that's me as an enfranchised player with a bunch of cards to already pull from but i feel like if you're listening to this that might be you too you know and some of these cards that we talked about today let's say like the ramirez de pietro for me or the archimandrite for someone else you might be able to just like spend 20 30 bucks look at your collection and boom there's a deck you know so um if you're new these are decks that i think i would recommend to somebody be like oh man i love ivy like you're probably gonna love this deck and see like what the person says but um it's it's cool there's a lot of cool stuff to look out for out there right now and uh i i know it's hard to keep track of it all but that just means you got to keep your scryfall foo up to up to snuff you know you got to keep on looking if you like brewing get good with those boolean search terms you know and uh mm-hmm. it'll all be okay <laughs> uh yeah i just want to before we close out i just want to reiterate something i said earlier in the episode which is just that you do have to be careful when you're building around these um these weird cards that yeah. you they are not going to be transferable to other builds so if you're it's certainly cheap to build these lists that we are sharing today um but plan to keep that commander together because those cards aren't going anywhere but yeah <laughs> i guess that is that could be a, a pro it or like a, a positive quality in the sense that like your other decks are not going to be like trying to pull cards out of these lists so you're you're not going to feel as yeah. much pressure to take them apart yeah you can kind of just sit there that was one of my favorite parts about like uh my Ixador deck when i had that together way way back when um Mm -hmm. was i made it and then at the time i was like oh yeah of course this deck is basically done because like i'm never gonna get another morph again and then kanzatark here came out (laughs) but um that's kind of just how a lot of these decks are too you're gonna be able to sit with them for years and years and they're gonna play and maybe you get an addition maybe you don't but um maybe a set comes out that shakes the foundation and gives you a bunch of more draft chaff to put into it but uh you'll be able to play these decks for a long time so if that's something that you like if you like having like a solid cast of commanders then that's not necessarily negative but if you're someone who likes to brew a lot then you are gonna have a lot of cards in your bulk bin (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i i think these episodes are fun i hope you all like them um if there's uh anything that y'all want to tell us please let us know in any of the regular means in our discord if you uh, happen to be a patron uh, on twitter email um we love to hear from everybody um and and we're gonna have a few more fun 
episodes coming up before spoilers start. So a little bit more of us and not just a deluge of new Reading cards. Off cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, with that, I think we can close out this episode. I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, the White Clays, Hannah, Andy, James, Bryce, Benjamin, Kyle, Brandon, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Frugal, Brutal, Carl, Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recton, Nick, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, Carrie, Stephen, The Longs, and Vincent. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln continental by Nick cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. 